Hi, Nola. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Um, I just went to the rack and then I did some, you know, some deadlifts and squats with my friend. And that was pretty fun because uh, I never realized how hard deadlifts were. And then other people around me were just doing it with ease. And I was like, just got a whole new respect for those people. But I've been doing well, you know. So uh, you mentioned architecture, and then um, it's really exciting to have another person that's uh, visually impaired and also in architecture, doing uh, architecture in school. And, you know, uh, actually, I was really excited when I got to meet you because uh, there, there isn't a lot of people out in the world like us. And, uh, you know, architecture is a really visual field, so... Um, how, how, how is it in general for you right now? I was also super excited to meet you, but, um, it's, it's okay. It's definitely a lot. Um, and I'm definitely struggling a bit and kind of thinking is architecture really what I want to do, which it always has been what I wanted to do. Um, but definitely with the visual aspects, I'm really behind and everything goes a lot slower for me. And since it's such a fast-paced program, um, I'm just finding it a lot more challenging than I thought I would. But it's definitely really fun, and I really like the actual work that we're doing. I see, I see, I see. So uh, I guess to preface it more for our listeners so they can get a better idea of what we're dealing with, I guess uh, we can, like, you know, go into, like, your eye condition, for example, because for me, I can't, I, my central vision is kind of whack. Like there's not, like the sensitivity level is around the same as my peripheral, but since I'm more used to using my peripheral and it's just like my eyes are dotting around the place and just piece, get, piece together an image. And then it makes it really hard for me because I have to zoom in and the zooming in factor makes it infinitely longer for me to use certain programs in architecture. How about you? Yeah, we have pretty similar conditions. Um, I have optic nerve atrophy. Um, so basically part of my optic nerve, well, most of it is dead. Um, and my, I have like a gene that's mutated and I think it's OPA1, um, which is the most common gene to have mutated when you have optic nerve atrophy. But similarly to you, I also use Zoom for everything. And yeah, it's definitely a lot harder to find stuff on the screen and like headaches and eye fatigue and stuff like that also play a factor into how much you can do every day. But yeah, my, um, I, my central vision is also a lot worse. My peripheral vision is pretty good, um, but my brain kind of fills in the rest. But when I'm somewhere unfamiliar, uh, I definitely can't see very much because my brain doesn't know what to fill in. Uh, I see. So uh, is there a, since I know that central vision also like encompasses a lot for your, you know, it helps you distinguish colors, you know, like, is there like, do you have difficulty seeing like certain colors when they're next to each other? Because I do have that problem. Yeah. Um, my mom and I actually, we have a carriage house behind our house. And we were making the beds today 
And I asked my mom what color the blanket was because for two years I thought it was beige. And she told me that it was gray. And I was shocked. I thought it was beige. I do not see how it's gray at all. Yeah, there are like things out there that you think it is one thing, but then you just get an epiphany. It's crazy. Like when I spelled, I spelled dilated wrong my entire life. How do you do it? (laughs) I spelled it D-I-A-L-A-T-E-D, but it's D-I-L. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, when you're around a lot of these I stuff, you're bound to eventually know (laughs) a lot of it. (laughs) Eventually, yeah, it only took 19 years, but it's okay. I got there eventually. Yeah, it's like a little bit over two and a half years for me. Um, I've definitely been thrown into the deep waters of all of this. It's been really interesting, actually. You know, you get a perspective of not being blind and also being blind, which is really interesting. Yeah, I think it's so cool being able to compare like how you could drive and do all of those quote normal teenage things and then all of a sudden you couldn't and then like I never could so I adapted from the beginning but I think that's really interesting just comparing them yeah like um I guess like given my personality I didn't really take it where it was like oh my god like it's end of the world thing I I think I'm kind of like a more laid back person. So I didn't, I took it more spontaneously, more day by day. And I think that's how I got through it. But yeah, definitely driving. It's a, yeah, it's kind of weird now because like, hey, you know. Or do you ask your friend that drives to drive you? Oh yeah. Like they drive me to to the store to get supplies. And yeah, there's that one guy in my friend group. He's a, he's a really nice guy. Yeah, my mom drives me everywhere. So my schedule has to work with my mom's schedule and we have to plan stuff around each other, even though I'm 19 and in college and she has a full-time job. So it just gets very complicated. Uh, I'm not much of a planner. It's just like whenever he's open, we just go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, circling back to architecture, now that I guess our listeners have a little a little bit more of a grasp around what we're seeing i guess um how are you navigating through like the programs like architecture programs for example like rhino um i kind of had to learn rhino on my own which was really difficult i definitely had help from a ta but um just figuring out all the things by myself um was kind of challenging um there's one tab it's the help tab and you can type in what you need to find and it'll pull it up for you but since i'm in zoom i can't uh see the whole screen and so then i have to unzoom it to go find it but then i find it unzoomed and then i can't actually see it so i don't know what it is does that make sense yeah i felt that yeah i do have that problem too so I can't, I don't know where like half the things are because I have to zoom out to go find them. Mm. But um, it's definitely a challenge. Um, but I like it a lot better than um, Illustrator because you can type in all the measurements and stuff like that. Like with Illustrator, you have to look at the ruler at the top 
or it says it on the side or like and when you draw a line it has the measurement in the corner but sometimes my screen is too big and the measurement gets cut off so I have to look at the ruler above it so I have to line everything up to the rulers and then put them together but then the rulers are only in one spot yeah so then I have to bring all of my work up to the ruler Oof. to draw the lines so it's just like a lot of moving yeah and it gets very complicated so what device do you use uh do you do illustrator and rhino on um i have a mac okay so what what's the screen size on that i actually just got a new one and it's 16 inches oh okay yeah like i think for our college of architecture over here at tech they uh they recommend like 18 inches or above oh, so whoa. yeah um i mean there's a good reason for that and also uh, i just i guess for our listeners when we say zoom in for me personally it's like really far in at least like if you think of um what you see on your screen right now on your laptop let's say it's 18 inches and just divide that into like four quadrants and just think that one of those quadrants is your whole screen. And that's me zooming in to see stuff. So Mine is, I think if you broke it into 16, I'm just like trying to do it right now. Um, yeah. So mine, I'm only seeing a 16th of the screen. Oh. So if anybody has a Mac, um i can't see the entire like the entire top bar where it's the apple logo and then file edit all those things i can't see all of that in one screen i have to scroll to see the rest of them oh okay yeah like definitely like scrolling around oh my god yeah uh, on windows very headache inducing on windows for me on rhino like let's go back to rhino because you touch a lot on you know, Illustrator 2, but in Rhino, I use a Windows computer and then whenever I type in a command, and let's say I have my whole screen focused on this, let's say two lines connecting, right? And I want to mm -hmm. type in a line, another line command. It just jumps right back to the command bar. And then I have to find my way back to like where I was zoomed in. And it's like a hassle. It's, it's so That's difficult. That's so annoying. I like Mac I know it's not ideal for architecture um, or engineering but I like a Mac because I like their accessibility features a lot better um, so with me I don't have to do that I can just type all of my commands and then do everything from exactly where I am but if I mess up then I have to go and look at it and figure out what I did wrong and go back all that yeah there's certainly a advantage and disadvantage there because like for windows i feel like once they jump right back to command bar you know exactly what you're typing but at the same time mm -hmm. you, you're not really sure what you're creating on a screen um mm -hmm. because like often or not um when we say like we're typing in to like do a line for example we just type in like line and and they're like prompts afterwards and, and then usually i don't know how you do it but like my professor taught me to do at and then put in the coordinates for like the line 
Um, oh, really? You don't even have to say at. You can just put in the coordinates. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Because we learn something every day. Anyways, um, so like, and then we put in the coordinates like X, Y, and if you're in the 3D view, there's like a Z factor too. So sometimes I like, I can't, I have a hard time knowing if it's a comma or a period. So if you put a period mm -hmm. instead of a comma, it makes the line weird, like extremely mm -hmm. weird. And then. Because then it's like a um, point, like a. Yeah, it becomes like diagonal and like this stretches out into infinity and something like oh. this. So I guess there's an advantage of Mac staying on the point where you zoomed in. So you know exactly what you're creating, right? Mm -hmm. but, there's one command that gives me a lot of problems. It's offset. So like if you create a line or a rectangle and you want to create another rectangle or line identical to it, either inside or outside of the rectangle or on one side of the line, you can do a command called offset. And then you can type in how much you want to offset it. So if you have a rectangle that's three feet long and two feet wide, um, and you want a smaller rectangle that's two feet long and one foot wide, um, you can just type in the like offset for the rectangles inside of each other. But then if you don't like it and you go back, then it messes the whole thing up and you have to start over. Mm, don't you... If you don't go look at it. I don't know. It's weird. Oh, do you press on the prompt that says distance? Um, yes. But if you go, if you backspace, it goes to um, oh. pick which point you want to offset. Jesse taught me how to zoom in on Rhino and not the computer. And that was just revolutionary. It was crazy. Yeah, ZS. I mean, yeah. all credit goes to Hannah, though. She taught me first. Then yeah, my professor well, taught me. Yeah. But hey, I was here first. <laughs> um, yeah, there are like advantages and disadvantages with using both Windows and uh, Mac for the Rhino program. And then moving on to like Illustrator, for example. Um, yeah, like Adobe Illustrator, Adobe Photoshop. Like those programs are way more visual compared to Rhino where you, you have a command bar where you can just type in your commands. But for Photoshop and Illustrator, you have to find your tools unless you have like a, unless you have a vast knowledge of the hotkeys, you know, like S for selection, I think. Or, yeah. You know, yeah. I know most of them for Illustrator, but um, not for Photoshop or well, I know some of them for InDesign. I see, yeah. And also InDesign is different too. Like whenever you're trying to, uh, let's say you're trying to scale the image, but you want it to scale proportionally to the original. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, it's different across like the programs. Like I know Illustrator, like it's different. Like you have to hold down both Control and Shift for InDesign and you just hold down Shift only shift for illustrate it's like it's crazy yeah well in InDesign I think it's fit proportionally opposed to just fit mm. like if you want to scale it so I think it'll scale to the screen if you don't hit the other button oh I see other key okay yeah so you know with like we've mentioned like Photoshop that's one Rhino Illustrator InDesign that's four programs right there and I believe you also do 
uh, you have to mess around with PDF Acrobat too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's five. So there's a lot of um, tools that we use uh, in architecture that Photoshop and Acrobat are the most difficult for me. Hmm. In what aspect? Um, with Photoshop, if I want to correct anything, I have to zoom way, way, way in so that you can see every individual pixel so that I can see where the lines are. Otherwise, my lines aren't clean. Um, if I'm trying to, like, if I'm editing a cardstock model, um, I really want my edges to be super clean and nice. Um, and I want the shadows to blend well. So if I edit anything and then the shadows look weird, I always have to ask to make sure it looks okay, but it normally doesn't. So that can take me hours. It's just a Photoshop one thing. Uh, I see. Yeah, definitely getting good lighting on that picture. It, it really helps. Having a good backdrop mm -hmm. also helps. But for us, we just basically do a selection and then like, basically, I forgot what the name was, but basically that selection makes it like, it, it knows where the white spaces versus the dark. So it forms a selection around the object already, but then later on you can like go back in if there's like certain spots that you miss, you can use the Is it the magic on. wand? Uh, no, it's like the one with the box then another box inside of it. It's like right uh -huh. next to the polygon lasso tool. Um, a polygon selection tool, something like that. So, you know, you call, you come back in with the polygon lasso tool, I believe, and then you, you just like make straight selections. And then from there, we just invert, like inverse the image. And then basically it selects everything but the model. Then we delete all of that and then put a black background behind it. Because I feel, I think the advantage of doing that later on is like, Let's say you're doing your portfolio and you have a black background. You can just like slap the image on there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Blends in with the background. But, you know, like having shadows definitely really helps, you know, giving your model more dynamic to it. Mm -hmm. So um, you mentioned modeling, right? So how do you, you know, build models, for example? <laughs> My models look awful. Um, so it's a lot of Photoshopping. But um, I basically do it the way everybody else does it with an exacto knife, um, a ruler, and a pencil. I recently just got a new CCTV. Um, and for people who don't know, that's something you can, it's, there's a camera and you can put something underneath the camera and it basically enlarges it on a screen. Uh, and so I just recently got one of those. So I'm going to try and work on my uh, modeling skills just with cutting lines and making things really clean because I'm cutting small things. I definitely always mess them up. So yeah, my models always look really bad and then they get photoshopped and nobody knows. So it's okay. Um, yeah, like for me, I just like have my face really close to it and then come online. Mm -hmm. But I've, I've found that like cutting through certain materials like the uh, three something. Yeah, it's like the, it's certain cardboard. Um, uh, yeah, like I found it really hard to just cut it through with a exacto knife because like the material is kind of tough 
and a little bit mm-hmm. thick. Also with like um, foam board, for example, it's kind of hard for oh, me to yeah. cut through with exacto knife. So I just use a box cutter. Mm-hmm. And then obviously when you notice your lines are getting a little bit jagged, it's because like your blade's not sharp. So I just like, you know, Change get rid the, of the blade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just snap it off and you have a new blade there. Um, yeah, like my TAs have been really good at giving me good advice to make my models more clean. Um, also, yeah, glue. Glue is a big thing. <laughs> I get glue all over my models. I know, like you get after you work on like, your model for like, I don't know, three, four hours, like your hand is just stuck in glue, right? <laughs> yeah. Like what type of glue do you use? We use Sobo craft glue is it like the type of glue that's kind of quick drying but not yeah. isn't in the middle okay yeah what about you i don't know the brand but it's kind of does the same thing where it's in the middle between mm-hmm. gorilla glue and elmer's glue you know <laughs> uh-huh and then uh hot glue is also also really good but it gets all over the place so we're not allowed to use hot glue for that reason oh really mm-hmm. okay so you have to have clean models. Yeah, it's just like, you know, like with using hot glue, like you have these little strings, like plastic strings mm-hmm. that come out and it's it's a pain to like get rid of them. Yeah. So with the CCTV, you said like you're trying to like do your modeling thing. It's mm-hmm. like you have to look at the screen, right? Yeah. And then you're cutting. That's like, that's really tough. Yeah, so... I've used the CCTV for, I think, four or five years. So I've gotten really used to it. Um, I had a friend use it and she thought it was the most co- confusing thing ever, but I guess you just get really used to it. Um, I Before I cut anything, I started by painting my nails to see, you know, like if I got any nail polish on me and I did, I got it like all over my hands. So, you know, good thing it wasn't a knife or I would have stabbed myself several times. But um yeah, I'm definitely still getting used to this particular one since they're all a little different. Their cameras are all in a different spot or different angle, zoom, all that stuff. Yeah, for I remember doing a high school, uh, 12th grade, no, 11th grade in French class. Like she would hand us a book and then do reading from it and. I had that type of CCTV. It was one of the older ones that had a tray on it mm-hmm. and the XY tray. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I got nauseous after like mm-hmm. just 15 minutes. Of reading. Me too. That was my limit that I always told my teachers. I was like 15 minutes and then I'm done. But you didn't get online books? No, that was before coronavirus. And um, No, I mean like. No, um, no. Have you ever heard of Bookshare? Oh yeah. Yeah. I couldn't find I couldn't find that book on Bookshare though. Dang. I got all of my French books on Bookshare. Oh. Or maybe I didn't look hard enough. Or I'll find PDFs and I'll have them read to me. But with French I'd have to make it super slow. Yeah. Because <laughs> I couldn't we- listen to it as fast as English. Imagine like, okay, for listeners like, you know, with us having the screen read to us. Sometimes we go up to like two times the speed, three times the normal speed, mm-hmm. like that. But 
we can't put that on French, you know. Yeah, it's no. Not the same. It's not the same. It's uh, it's really difficult. Yeah, it's like half time speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, what what projects are you working on right now in architecture? Um, currently, I have um a studio class, and then I have a media and modeling class. So we're actually designing two spaces um, for two different characters. Um, so I chose a quilter and a culinary artist. So we have to make a space for them to live and work in, but it's in Cabbage Town, Atlanta. So it has to meet all of the regulations and compatibility rules of Cabbage Town. And so we were given one lot and we have to figure out how to incorporate everything without um, going against the compatibility rules and stuff like that. And I've had a couple extensions with the researching because I don't know about you, but reading a lot gives me a headache and then my computer a lot gives me a headache. And so then I was a little behind um, and I feel like it's like nothing against my teachers or anything like that, but I feel like you just can't really understand unless you've been in this situation. Um, So I feel like people don't really grasp how long it takes to do everything. Um, There definitely are some people who understand and are overly generous with time and stuff like that. But I mean, how could you understand? There's like, not really any information about it. It's not really talked about. Um, But yeah, I feel like everybody is working for 30 or 40 hours on a project and it just takes me double or triple the time, Um, which I've been given one or two day extensions, which aren't enough. So I've had to extend those extensions. So it just gets really complicated. And as I said in the beginning, then I get very behind. Yeah, it's fine. Like I do also have that problem too. Uh, you mentioned reading, for example. Um, yeah, like I always tell people whenever I'm reading something, you know, like normal person, I wouldn't say they're normal, but like, you know, they have yeah. better vision than me. Uh, I just got to be careful with words. <laughs> but yeah, uh, they, let's say they read something, but it takes them 30 minutes. It takes me mm-hmm. five times the time to like yeah. really grasp the material understand it um by reading it a couple of times but really slowly you know i listen to it yeah listening really helps too i i found out um about that because before that i I was pretty i was a visual learner like Mm -hmm. a heavy visual learner um auditory has been really interesting auditory learning yeah Mm -hmm. I think I'm still a visual learner, which kind of doesn't really make any sense, but I never can quite understand what we're doing until I see it. So I don't know. It's kind of counterintuitive, but you got to visualize it, right? Yeah. Mm, I see. I see. Yeah. Like everything does take us a long time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I've always said that it's not us trying to 
uh, process the information. It's always mm-hmm. the input. And then yeah. the output, maybe in very certain circumstances, there might be a delay, but it's always the import in, input yeah. that's like really slow. Yeah, I feel like people kind of have a misconception that visually impaired people are slow or not as smart because we're slower. I just used slow twice in the same sentence, but um, it's really just because we can't see it and we're trying to figure out a way to make it accessible to us and not strain our eyes and stuff like that. Oh yeah, like once you strain your eyes, it's uh, not fun. Yeah, you're basically done. Yeah, it's like you can do. uh, I don't, I don't know. I can't really think of a good uh, analogy, but like going back to the gym, (laughs) like (laughs) if you let's say you strain your muscles, like you're done. You can't really like lift anymore. It's kind of like that thing. Your eyes are also kind of like a muscle. Um, Mm -hmm. They are a muscle, aren't they? They are, yeah. Like your eyeball and the muscles around it, yeah. I feel like people always think that we're being lazy or we're trying to get out of work, um, which definitely I have my lazy days, but I'm not just trying to get less work for myself. I genuinely cannot complete it in the amount of time that other people can. And um, shout out to my English teacher, but he's been really awesome. Um, We watch documentaries and my mom so a lot of them are in a different language or have subtitles stuff like that so my mom actually has to watch them with me and she reads all the subtitles to me and so we actually have to find a time that works for both of us and our the video and then an analysis or like a discussion question is due on Wednesday but we talk about the documentaries on Friday but sometimes we can't have them done by Wednesday so yeah. We'll watch them on Wednesday night or Thursday night. Um, and he exempted me from any of the discussion questions. And in the beginning, I was kind of like, oh, no, it's totally fine. I can do it later. It's no big deal. But then I kind of just realized that even if I can do them once I have the material, even if I have time afterwards, I still don't have time because of other classes and how long they're taking. So since he offered that I don't have to do them, I'm not. And in the beginning, I was like, oh, I don't want to take advantage of that, Um, you know, stuff like that. But my Braille teacher always told me, take advantage of every single opportunity you're given. So then I was kind of like, okay, I, I won't do the discussion questions. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, you just don't want to be a cop out, right? You don't, yeah. don't want to have that feeling. But like, you really have to be mindful of like balance um, across the board. I did have that experience too. Like, it was a really awesome girl. Like, her name was Olivia. I remember during eleventh grade, like it was the same case. Like, um, in English class, they would put in um, a movie, but it was a different language, and there would be subtitles. And then she would read it out for me. And during 12th grade, during history class, we watched, um, I think, a thing about Algeria. And then, you know, obviously that's not English. So she sat next to me and read everything, which was really awesome. Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. like, there are some really good souls out there that really help you out, I guess. Yeah. 
I babysat, I think, an eight or nine-year-old once, and we were watching a cartoon, and they had subtitles because they were like robots or something, and you couldn't understand what they were saying. And she was reading me all of the subtitles, and I didn't realize what she was doing at first. And then once I realized that she was reading the subtitles, I was kind of blown away by just how considerate this eight, nine-year-old was being. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I guess we can transition to what types of hobbies do you uh, do or like doing? Um, so I am an aerialist Ooh. and what is that? Um, it's like in Cirque du Soleil with the, um, ribbons or the hoop lira thing. Um, it's like a metal hula hoop with, um, it's like attached to the ceiling by something we call it a stand set. Um, and then, um, sometimes I do static trapeze. It's really not my favorite but I'm actually teaching a class in it tomorrow and I had to learn something to teach and it was so painful, did not enjoy it, but it's okay. It's fine for one day, but definitely a lot of people um, are always like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you do that. Um, like it would be cool if you did that even if you weren't legally blind. And I'm always kind of like, it's really not, that different it's mainly muscle memory mm. so like um uh, can you explain more about um i guess we can start off with the ribbons like how does that work you know um i don't know from a uh, layman's perspective uh how, how do you even get up the ribbon so they're called silks, silks. and you have to you have to climb them so it's kind of like a i don't know going back to like, the gym like a yes. rope? Yeah, it's like climbing a rope in gym class or just at the gym. Yeah. So that's like a lot of core just to get mm-hmm. up there. Oh, yeah. That's and there's different climbs. Some of them are more leg related and, you know, they're, yeah, there's just a lot of ways to get up there. Um, I had somebody one day, um, I showed them a video and they're like, wait, you have to get back up there every time you come back down. It was like, yeah, how do you think we get up there? And I think he thought there was like some sort of, you know, like when you're doing flying trapeze, like a platform where you just, you know, kind of walk off and you're already up there. But no, yeah, we have to climb up it. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a, that's hardcore. (laughs) (laughs) wait okay what is flying trapeze um so that's kind of like the most popular trapeze discipline that's the word no um but it's whenever you go to the circus there's most likely people doing flying trapeze and that's when they're like throwing people off and catching people and it's like 50 feet above the ground and you fly back and forth I tried it once it was not for me it's like a one foot by two foot platform that there's like five people standing on and then you all take turns going on the trapeze and you swing and you do flips. Yeah. Oh, is it the one where like there's a, a I guess like typically it's like a guy and a girl, but then like I think one of them like holds on to like the yeah. small bar and then the other one tries to connect with them in the air mm-hmm. swing. Yep. 
That one? Yeah. Oh, I see. Um, and then dance trapeze is, or static trapeze, it's just a trapeze. You're not moving at all, and you can do cool tricks on it. So since it's not moving, you can do these really intricate poses and climb up it and things like that. Okay. So um, I guess, uh, what what is the trapeze again? Like, can you describe it? Is it, is it like a platform? Um, no, so it's actually a bar, and it's like two or three feet wide I think it's like two feet wide um two feet long and then it's connected to these things I think we call them elbows um so it's basically like a bar and then there's two lines coming down from the ceiling that connect the bar to the ceiling it's kind of like a swing only instead of the swing seat it's just like a straight bar and then the uh the chains of the swing seat are rope and then the bottom part is covered in fabric oh so like okay let's say you're hanging off a tra- uh, trapeze like that's a lot of grip strength because you're like mm-hmm. holding onto your body weight right so yeah. do you guys use chalk or like any way of like helping with your grip you can use chalk um I like chalk with trapeze and lira, which is kind of a similar thing. Um, but then with silks, you can use this re- you can use resin, which helps you stick to it. So whenever I perform, I always make sure that I get lots of resin, lots of chalk. But normally during a regular practice um, or lesson, I won't use anything. Yeah, because it like doesn't it crack your hands? Yeah, you get calluses. But oh. to uh, people who are listening jesse is going to try circus sometime then he can tell you all about it uh uh i guess with hannah oh okay (laughs) did i not say that out loud or did i not tell you that maybe i dreamed that i told you that oh (laughs) i swear Uh, i told you that but okay uh i hey i guess i'm stoked (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it like hey this so you mostly see these like aerial aerobatic exercises or what's the name again like how do you aerial call arts. this aerial arts like usually yeah. it's in circuses yeah oh okay some people do them um they tie it to a tree and they do it in the park or on the beach and things like that now do you have like a um I don't know, some, something on the ground. So, like, let's say you fall, like, you don't die. We have a mat. Okay. Yeah. I would love to have a foam pit, though. I think that'd be so cool. Because then you could try these super, super scary things, and you just land in the foam pit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people, like, I think in gymnastic gyms, they have foam pits so that like, mm-hmm. they can practice their back flips or front flips. Mm-hmm. Or even their, like, I don't know, somersaults. I don't even know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> they normally practice and then they land into the um, foam pit. And then uh, they like put a mat over the foam pit. So it's like a super soft landing. So they just like work up from the foam pit and to the floor. I see. I see. I see. Yeah. Um, you know, I've always wanted to do a black backflip, but never got me too. tools. It just seems so cool, you know, just like pull out a black backflip in the public. Yeah. People are just like, oh. <laughs> you just like throw Denise to the side. 
oh, you you just throw your cane to the side and do a backflip and then go grab your cane. Or you're like, hey, can someone help me find my cane? Okay, I'm not throwing women around, but like I named my canes Nanook <laughs> and Lou, okay? <laughs> I didn't throw- say, I, that's why I said cane and changed it from I just have to do like clarify. Yeah, I, thought that, I thought that would sound a little weird. Like, just it's funny stuff. though, it's funny. Yeah, I did name my canes. My uh, white walking canes, like, um, yeah. You know, I think I got, you know, I was thinking of like what to name them and then I just was like, well, what are some like famous architects? And then I was like, well, the most famous uh, or like a pretty well-known female architect is like other than Zaha Hadid is Denise Scott and Brown. Denise Scott Brown? Denise Scott something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then like uh, for for the other king, Lou Khan. Lou, mm-hmm. there you go. I thought it was Louis or Louis, uh, Louis Khan. Hmm. I did, a, sure I did a research thing on him. I thought it was spelled Lewis, but pronounced Louis. Well, I guess if you just call him Lou, then it's fine. I guess, yeah. It doesn't really matter, but I'm pretty sure it's Louis Kahn. Louis Kahn, Louis Kahn. Mm. Yeah, so here's a uh, really, um, I guess, inspirational thing. I don't know. But like Lou Kahn, uh, after talking to uh, Chris Downey, like a blind architect, he said that Lou Khan actually had his face really close to the plans just to look at it. Mm. So he he might have been like extremely bad in vision or even legally blind. I don't know. But mm-hmm. uh, if you look up pictures of Lou Khan, like he has these really thick glasses, dark rimmed round glasses, I believe. And yeah, there's just a bunch of stories out there saying like he would just just to look at plans he would have have his face really close to it and it is it is louis or lewis or louis ah i see i see see. but uh yeah i'm currently looking at images now but they're just his buildings yeah he he's designed designed some really awesome buildings like the sock institute Mm -hmm. i think i'm not sure what they do research on that was our very first project in architecture um we had to analyze the sulk um institute and we didn't know what analysis was so we all just traced it and turned it in and then all 76 of us did it wrong so uh the sulk institute is really cool because like it's a building that faces the pacific ocean and Mm -hmm. i think at a certain point of day it just looks like it's really photogenic you know Mm mm-hmm um yeah his buildings are oh like also when i was talking to chris he also said something like as a blind architect just walking through those buildings he could sense lou lewis khan's understanding of space because mm-hmm. maybe it derived from him not seeing well so he was way more con- conscious of the materiality and also the space you know just to experience That's the so space cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then kind of a little segue. Um, Chris Downey uses a cane, and he told my mom that he doesn't like using guide dogs um, and prefers a cane because he's an architect. He likes being able to feel the material um, under his feet or near him with the cane. 
And so I was wondering if you had any kind of opinion on that. No, guide dogs are cool. I agree. Guide dogs are so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, I don't have a guide dog, but do you have a guide dog? I do have a guide dog. Yeah. What is uh, his, hers name? So I actually don't share her name publicly. Okay. Um, because if we're in public and I tell someone her name, um, normally the very first thing they do is say it. So I tell everybody her name is Grace. And like more times than not, I say that. And then the person immediately goes, oh my gosh, Grace. Hi, Grace. Oh, Grace, you're such a good dog. And I'm like, she's not going to, she's not going to answer you no matter how many times you say her name because it's uh, it's alias. Yeah. See. So uh, what breed is her? Is she? She's a black lab and she's actually really small for her breed. She's only 50 pounds, which is really nice because I'm short. <laughs> like, okay. So uh, for our listeners, I think guide dogs usually correct me if I'm wrong. They're usually either labs or golden retrievers, right? Mm-hmm. Or golden yeah. from the labs. Yeah. Oh, she's coming to sit in my lap. She knows we're talking about her. Aw. Yeah, like there are like a lot of different organizations out there that supply guide dogs to mm-hmm. blind people. There's one in New York. I think that's CNI. And there's another one in, I believe, San Francisco. No, Oregon. I think so. Oh, really? That's like guide dogs for the blind. Hmm? Oh, yeah. The Seeing Eye is in New Jersey. It's like half an hour away from New York. It's in Morristown, I think. Mm -hmm. I went to Southeastern Guide Dogs Mm -hmm. in um, Palmetto, Florida. And I absolutely love them. I love their program and their dogs. And the people. So I guess like, you know, everyone likes a dog story. So do you have any <laughs> to share with our listeners and me, you know? Um, so my dog, we can just call her Grace. She's constantly licking and constantly wagging her tail. Um, especially when she's working, she just wags her tail the entire time she works because she just absolutely loves working. So I have like a couple stories that kind of tie in together, but she's very curious. She's very loving. She's licking my leg right now. Um, But sometimes we go to the store and so there's a position called heel um, and that's where your dog is on the left. It's like a normal dog walking position. Mm -hmm. Um, And so your dog is on the left side of you. And so she is taught to do that um when she's working to be on the left of me and I went to face away from um a shelf and I kind of wasn't even thinking about her I was just you know resting kind of against the shelf because my mom was going to get something Mm -hmm. and she went and she healed and then furiously wagged her tail and then tried to sit down next to me and she knocked a ton of bottles off the bottom shelf and it was so embarrassing because there were other people on the aisle and then I was like sitting on the floor trying to pick up all these bottles and keep her like from getting too excited because everything just fell off and made a loud noise and 
my mom was coming back and she just sees me sitting in like a circle of random bottles of I don't know what it was lotion or something um sometimes very embarrassing but also very funny Mm -hmm. and she's as I said she's super friendly so whenever we're in a public bathroom before COVID I absolutely hate taking her into public bathrooms because she can like she likes to stick her head under the stall and look at the person next to her (laughs) and it's so awkward so I always try and use um the bigger stall because also we don't fit in the small stall even though we're both pretty small um it's just way too cramped and then she'll like lay down and go into the next stall and it's very embarrassing um and then there's one more I was gonna say but I forgot what it was those are some really interesting stories yeah you see like you know with a cane this is they're really obedient. Just stay there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember um, when Grace got into something in the yard, and I um, told you that you're lucky because your canes never eat poop. So, mm, yeah, yeah, they don't. Um, they don't need medicine. They don't go to the vet. I mean, you can just wash them down with with a um baby wipe i guess hey i Um, do that too they're basically the same thing uh yeah but you know it would be awesome to have a guy dog though you know like yeah i think they make some in uh i forgot but one of these dog organizations they make dogs that jog with you which is really interesting Um, what do you mean yeah like when you're jogging they like run with you you know i feel Uh, like you can get all dogs to do that obviously i couldn't say i i can't say i I haven't tried it yet because i don't (laughs) have one yeah uh i do want to have one you know yeah it seems so fun because like um you know uh going into the more deeper side of i guess being blind is like there's a lot of stuff mentally that Mm -hmm. it's like it's tough it's really tough Um, yeah it's from school. There's like a lot of stress there, uh, you know, like from dealing with people that think that, oh, why are you getting that much time to do stuff? Like, yeah, stuff. It just like wears on you mentally. And yeah. I just think that having a, a companion that's always happy, dumb mm-hmm. but happy, just like, you know, it's emotionally, this helps you a lot. You know? Yeah. Did you just say dumb but happy? That's what my friend says. Like, the dogs are dumb, but they're happy. They are so smart. Are you kidding me? But, like, okay. You can't really get a border collie to be your guide dog, though. They get way too smart. Yeah, well, are you calling my dog dumb? No. You kind but, of just did, but okay. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, like, you can't really get border t- collies for example to uh be guide dogs because they're um they like um let's say you want them to do a certain thing but they figure out fr- figure it out and then like mm-hmm. come up with a different way to do that thing and then you don't really want it you know because there are yeah. like, certain circumstances that you know that's it's probably why they're not used as guide dogs yeah but yeah. uh 
going back to what you were saying about the mental impacts, I definitely, uh, in second grade, I will never forget this, but uh, my teacher was writing the notes for me. Um, I went to a private Montessori school for second grade, um, and there were six people in my grade. So she took my notebook and just wrote the notes for me while all the other students were writing the notes. And I remember everyone being like, oh my gosh, you're so lucky. You don't have to take notes. And I was like, I would rather be able to see the board and take notes than have the teacher take notes for me. You know, it's kind of a, yes, I'm lucky that I don't have to take notes, I guess. I love taking notes though, but Mm. definitely the alternative beats not being, not having to take notes. Um, And then I was also super, super insecure until um, the second half of 10th grade. Like I hated talking in class. I didn't like talking to a classroom full of people that I just couldn't see. Um, And I don't know, for some reason that just really weirded me out. I was super, super quiet all the time. I never talked to people I didn't know. Uh, It always took me a really long time to warm up to you. And then kind of second half of 10th grade and on, I became a lot more confident and open and I switched schools in 11th grade. Um, And one of my favorite teachers, my math teacher, um, I remember talking to him one day and I was telling him how quiet and insecure I used to be. And he was kind of shocked because he didn't think I had ever been not outgoing. because at that school, I was like a completely different person. And then once I got, keep on, I keep almost saying her name. Once I got Grace, um, I kind of just continued with that. Um, like in 12th grade, I joined the school play and um, I gave a TED talk and just things that I absolutely never would have thought I could have done, even in. 10th grade Mm -hmm. so I'm trying to understand like also I did have sort of the same experience that you did you know I was a massive introvert Mm -hmm. when I was like during middle school I think but I don't know where along the way but like definitely after you know all of a sudden being blind that really you know jump started me to become a better advocate for myself you know Mm -hmm. to communicate better with my teachers and you know other stuff like that so where did your source of you know like just to open up with people come from was it a sense of oh like I want to be more independent now I don't want to be dependent so yeah so um in ninth grade I actually went on this social justice trip to Washington DC with my Sunday school and we had to lobby with our senators and congressmen And I was absolutely terrified. Um, I did not want to do it at all. I was so scared. Uh, And then it was a Jewish program. So they were telling us all about different kind of opportunities to go to Israel that they had. Mm -hmm. And one of them was a semester abroad in Israel. And I kind of thought that that would be amazing, but I would never do that because obviously I'm, I'm legally blind. Mm -hmm. I, it's me and my mom 
um, it's just the two of us in our immediate, immediate family, our like nuclear family, whatever. It's just the two of us. So we're super close. Um, so I was like, I could never leave for a semester, especially around the world. Um, but then the more I thought about it, the cooler it sounded. And then after we lobbied with our senators, I was kind of like on an adrenaline high. because I was like, yeah, I just talked to these people and I, I did it. And so I texted my mom from Washington, D.C., and I told her that I wanted, I had an idea and she wouldn't like it. Um, and she's always been super open to anything I want to do. And I told her that I wanted to go to Israel for a semester. And her first response was, who are you and what did you do with my daughter? Um, so she immediately said no. But she thought about it for two months. And then we were at a Korean restaurant. Told me, she was like, you're, so we have gotcha day because I'm adopted. Your gotcha day present is that I have signed you up to go to Israel for a semester. Mm -hmm. And it couldn't have come at a perfect time, at a more perfect time because I was really, really struggling in school. Um, not like academically, but kind of socially. Um, my special ed teacher was leaving and she was definitely my biggest advocate. Um, she kind of would always go up to bat for me. She had my back no matter what. And she was leaving. So I had to learn how to do that on my own in 10th grade. And I definitely had three of the most difficult teachers I have ever had um, accommodations wise in 10th grade. Even um, a special ed teacher that we brought in from a different location mm -hmm. said that one of my teachers was the most difficult teacher he worked with. Um, and I definitely, I always left that class in tears. I, it gave me so many issues. Um, like I had an A in everything, but the issue was that I wasn't being accommodated at all. Everything, um, the teacher was kind of going the opposite direction and trying to unaccommodate me with things, um, and picked on me in front of the class and stuff like that. There were days where I just walked out. I like packed up my stuff. I just walked out. I would go to somebody else's room and I would just sit there and cry for like 20 minutes. Um, so that year definitely toughened up my skin. I had to learn how to advocate for myself because my um, special ed teacher was gone. And then um, I kind of, my friends and I were having issues. And then I went to Israel. And that was just the most amazing experience ever. Um, I had friends. I loved my teachers. Um, I kind of realized how unhappy I was mm -hmm. in, I live in New Orleans, in New Orleans. Um, and I just kind of halfway through the semester, I was thinking, what if I just don't go back to my school? But there were no other options in New Orleans for me personally, because the other schools we looked at, I remember we toured them and they said that they have an average of three to six hours of homework a night and my homework time would be double. And they told me that and I was like, well, that's a really bad way to advertise your school. So mm -hmm. that was not an option. There was one other option, but I didn't want to go there either. 
So I decided to move in with my aunt and uncle in Ohio. And the small class sizes in Israel definitely allowed me to talk in class. And I knew everybody in the classroom. I could see everybody because we would sit in like a kind of U shape around the teacher. Mm -hmm. um, because there would be anywhere from four to eight people. Um, and then in Ohio, kind of a similar thing. We had really small classes. So I was able to kind of become more confident. There was also 44 people in my class. So I knew everybody. Um, it was a small school. I really liked most of my teachers. Um, and I only had a couple accommodation issues. I had a lot of issues with only a couple people, which was a lot better than a lot of issues with everybody. So definitely just mm -hmm. being able to not stress about my accommodations 24-7 um, gave me room to kind of grow into myself and become more confident and things like that. So that's definitely where I became more outgoing and um, comfortable with myself. Um, and recently, I actually asked one of my teachers um, on behalf of my entire studio section in architecture, if we could have extra time to do something mm -hmm. um, because nobody else wanted to ask. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't really getting an answer that I wanted um, because they were kind of dancing around the answer. And so I kept pressing for five minutes um, and everybody in our group chat was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that. Like I would be crying, like how could you have done that? Mm -hmm. um, and I told my mom afterwards, I was like, it is all of the advocation skills that I've had to learn throughout the years that allowed me to literally debate with this teacher for five minutes to try and get um, an extension. But I'm completely comfortable with that now. Like, I will go up to that. I will, like, take the hit and ask for things. Um, I used to think it was a burden like in, I remember in ninth grade, I would never want to ask mm -hmm. for more time or large print because um, I was so scared and I didn't want to bother anybody. But then I realized that I need this to be successful and I'm entitled to it and you need to give it to me. So I kind of just realized that I can't be like that anymore. So yeah mm. sorry that was like a super long-winded explanation nah, hey, you're fine we're we're on a podcast we get to talk about our thoughts and you know that was a strung together a, a string of really great stories there and you know people love stories so um <laughs> yeah like your turning point was uh going to israel that's awesome um mm -hmm. i don't really know where my turning point i just i guess this is <laughs> being fine just like one day they're like uh, i don't know my body's like well um i think you should be blind and i'm like mm -hmm. okay i guess <laughs> that's like my attitude i'm like okay i, I guess mm -hmm. so but yeah that's awesome like you know you find your turning point and you know it fundamentally changed um how you approach stuff your attitude and you know hopefully you see more fruits from having this uh i guess change of 
I don't know the best way to describe it, but you know, just having a change, different outlook in life, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do also agree with like how you know sometimes you gotta push a little bit more to like get what you want. But to uh, preface a little bit more, it's like design, like in architecture, there's design, right? Art, yeah, mm-hmm. art. There's also design there. Uh, but like with design, especially, there's a uh, it takes a lot of time because mm-hmm. you really have to go through different iterations and then yeah. like just to improve upon the original idea you have because typically everybody says that says this where your first idea is never your best idea yeah so the time is always a thing like something that we also are really conscious about you know we're trying to be as efficient as possible but mm-hmm. it's just the nature of designing something takes up a lot of time mm-hmm. so yeah it's great that you uh you know advocated on behalf of all your classmates you know that's uh that really took a lot of guts there um yeah and uh you know certainly pushing for uh certain resources to uh help you out succeed is uh definitely a thing that i also do and then find you know like sometimes it's hard sometimes it's not as bad like you know there are like certain professors that are really accommodating mm-hmm. um yeah i don't i in my perspective i i think like it's not really like i feel like it's like a way with words more like like you have to convince them in a way but my attitude going into like trying to get something where i need like let's say extension on time um you know, alteration on a certain assignment, stuff like that. I feel like for me, just to get certain stuff like that, it it really stems stems from a history of what I've done in the past versus mm-hmm. and also like a way of words, right? Yeah. Like if they know that you're a really responsible student, you're really diligent with your work, you turn your stuff on time, but you know, like okay you don't really turn stuff on time but yeah i was thinking you, that <laughs> you, you you get your stuff in at least right compared yeah. to like some of your peers that i don't know like I, i've heard rumors where like in our studio like some people haven't even you know like finished their second or third assignment yeah, which was like, i can't believe that That's do insane. like the second or third week of this semester which is insane because we're in the middle of this semester and we're like on week 11 i think but yeah um, yeah, like just having a history of like, yes, I do turn in stuff eventually, right? Mm-hmm. The eventually yeah, word is really eventually. important. And um, for the words, the way with words part, like, you know, like just being really, um, I feel like after I became blind, it's like I've become a little bit better at listening, better at like gauging how people are, are like feeling, mm-hmm. just empathizing with them more, like, so like that's why I would say that I don't really say that I demand or am entitled to certain things that would help me succeed, but rather mm-hmm. that I find find other ways where you know it becomes a little bit more like a liaison between us rather than mm-hmm. a one way street where I just scream on top of my lungs and try to demand, <laughs> right? No, yeah, definitely. I didn't mean that like they have to do everything for me. I definitely. Um, always try to work with my teachers um, and it's always open communication. Um, I've had teachers say like, are you comfortable with 
talking to me if anything isn't right. And I'm always like, yeah, I'm totally fine with that. And they always say, are you sure? Like, let me know if there's anything I do. And always say, promise me or like, trust me. I will 100% tell you if there's something that's not working for me. Um, the things I'm entitled to, the one thing that um, I kind of said that like I was entitled to and I needed was enlarged stuff because that's not something that I can do just because I can't see the printer. Um, and somebody had to do that for me. And a lot of teachers didn't have that for me by the time the class started. So I'd always get it after class. But by that point, it would not matter because we wouldn't need it anymore. Yeah, like, um, just to go back on that, like, in a legal sense, to be yes. extremely technical, under <laughs> like getting accommodations for our student disability, disability services, they are technically required by law mm -hmm. to provide all these stuff because under like I forgot what specific law but it was like yeah like <laughs> it can't yeah it can't really uh <laughs> um do much to uh disregard I guess our rights to get mm -hmm. stuff like that right yeah um but yeah like you know like all power to you to like certain blind people where they're, they're just like um have have you know have really are forced in the position where they really have to double down double down and really um you know utilize these methods where it's like a little bit more harsher just to get what they need the basic needs to succeed so yeah you know it really uh depends on the person too yeah it really really depends on them have you um do you think that you become more of a people person after, you know, I, I was about to say after you became blind, but you were <laughs> blind your whole life. But for me, yes. How about you? So when I was, well, I was always a people person once I got to know you. Um, and I don't know, I kind of feel like my entire life I've liked hanging out with people that were my mom's age and my aunt's age because I enjoy going to dinner with their um instead of like going to find my own friends if I don't if I'm new somewhere um like I've celebrated yeah. my birthday with my aunt's friends and my cousin told his mom my aunt don't you want to take her somewhere that will be actually fun for her with people her own age and my aunt's like no that's what she chose um so I would definitely say with people I knew and know I was always super I was just like a really big people person even when I like was and not confident at all but definitely since I've grown more confident I've been more willing to meet new people and talk to people that I don't know and branch out on my own so yes I have become more of a people person I remember in um, 12th grade, my French teacher was talking to my 11th grade English teacher and said that he didn't think I liked him at all. And my English teacher said, don't worry about it. That's just Nola. She definitely likes you, but <laughs> she has to like take a minute to show that she likes you. So apparently I come off really cold at first. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely like people getting to know them. 
Hey, maybe it just came, comes from a life where just not really able to tell expression, expressions off of people's faces, you know? Yeah, maybe. You know, like, you know, I think babies really look at their, I don't know, mom, their dad, just to mimic their facial expressions. Mm-hmm. Maybe, like, you know, um, not able to see them, like, really. Mm, I don't know where I'm going with this, but, you know. But, like, yes, like, for me, after being blind, it's been infinitely difficult to, like, tell if a person's look at me. Are they, yes. like... Or like, okay, here's the thing where a teacher would be like, hey, you answer this question. I'm like, who, me? Yeah, <laughs> me too. And then they're like, yeah, you. And I'm like, and then I look at everybody to make sure nobody else is pointing at themselves. I don't even do that. I'm just like, oh, is it me? Like I point at myself and they say yes. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's like me, but it's so But like, sometimes weird. they nod. Oh yeah, the nod is like, I don't even know if they're nodding, but then like Same. afterwards I ask like the people around me, is he nodding? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In um Israel, we did this like week long army training thing. And on the very first day, we all um were standing in like four rows, um, kind of all like it was like an army standing thing. Um, like with your hands behind your back, your feet, your heels together, whatever. Um, so what we had to do, like, um, the Samelet, um, commander would point to you and say, you, and you would have to go run to the group that she pointed to. And so she pointed at me and I like, you can't like move. So I like looked to the person next to me, like, is she talking to me? And the person didn't want to like talk because he got in trouble and so nobody was really answering. And I, the somehow I just kept going, you, hello, you. And I'm like, oh my God, nobody talking to me. And then like the people next to me was, were like trying to whisper like, yeah, go. And it, yeah. Yeah, it's just, yeah. I feel like it's we, rough. me before being blind, there is certainly a lot of different cues that we've developed that are, don't really require verbal or I mean like mm-hmm. not signifying in a way that really identifies a person just to like you know tell them to do a certain thing I don't know if I'm explaining it yeah clearly, but you know like you or no yeah you there you know it is really not yeah. clear in our perspective and um yeah uh they're like like for example like even Let's say I'm talking to my friends and then I'll be like, I don't know, 10 feet away from them. I wouldn't know if they turned their head towards me or, and then it's really hard to like mm-hmm. see, I don't know, like whenever they're ta- sarcasm, that's kind of hard with them specifically mm-hmm. and like with jokes too. Like <laughs> they might be like, their faces like mm-hmm. maybe having a certain expression and that's why everybody know else knows it's a joke. But for me, I'm like, um, like, is it a joke? <laughs> yeah, I can tell with tone of voice, but I think that just came with, since I was little, I always had to distinguish the small changes in tone um, when you're being sarcastic or serious or things like that. Um, and I can definitely pick up on when people are nervous or things like that. And I point them out to people and they're like, huh, 
didn't notice that. <laughs> like, oh, totally. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, whenever I would ask to go to the bathroom and people would nod, I'd always be like, I can't see you, but I'm going to assume it's a yes and I'm going to the bathroom. Like, like please, you're a little toilet seat play. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, the teacher's like, nod. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. like, uh, huh? Yeah. The last two years of high school, I would do that. Before that, I would just be like, is that a yes? Did they say yes? So, yeah. Yeah, it's just, yeah so um, do you have any questions for me? What is your most embarrassing or infuriating blind, I almost said blind girl moment, um, blind boy moment? <laughs> blind moment. Um... Let me think. I really need to think about this because, I mean, certainly there are a lot of situations that have mm-hmm. been embarrassing to me, but I'm just like going back to the past two and a half years. What about what about the um, like eye doctor or driver's license? Oh, yeah. I, I guess, don't want like, to like speak for you at all, but yeah, that I guess that that is a story in itself too. Yeah, so. Basically, uh, what happened was that, you know, obviously I could drive before I went blind and I had a driver license and it expired when I turned 18, but like, um, you know, turn after 18, but something like that. So I had to like grab a Texas state ID uh, from DPS. But then when I went there, like I didn't like grab my cane because obviously I was like, if I don't have a cane with me, Therefore, person in front of the door will not ask me many questions. But, um, so my dad was with me, right? And then uh, he he's like, well, son, let me do all the talking, okay? Let me do all the talking. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, go for it. And we were just waiting in line. I think one line was like for, you know, doing the driving testing or the, you know, uh, test you and do your driving like the actual driving and then the other line was just to do renewals or different stuff like that and once we uh went in the front of the line like right in front of the door like the guy walked out he's like oh what are you here for i'm like well we're here for a texas state id and then obviously that's like a really weird thing to say because more mm-hmm. like i would say like 80 percent of the people there are renewing their driver license and mm-hmm. then he, I don't know where the conversation was like led exactly, but like he, it went to the point where he was like, why are you revoking your driver license just to get a Texas state ID? And then um, my dad's like, well, you know, like we're just here to do that. (laughs) And then like the guy was just so confused. He's like, you know that like when you revoke your driver license, you have to do the written test thing again. You have to do the driving test thing again. You have to pass then get your drive your then get back your driver license and then my dad's like yeah yeah we're doing that <laughs> we're, we're just going to revoke our driver license and then from a normal per, like from a person that's not blind obviously mm-hmm. that's super bizarre like who would Crazy. revoke their driver license after like spending like i think there's like this driving hour log thing that you had to do and it was like i forgot the exact amount of hours you had to do but it was a bunch of hours you had to put in and i'm not sure if it was like something for adolescent drivers though but anyways 
So there was like a huge process just to like get your driver license. Mm-hmm. And then the guy was just so confused. Like at the front, he's like, all right, I guess. And then he just took me into the foyer. And then I was like, I hope to God that there's not like a <laughs> eye exam thing. Mm-hmm. And there it was. <laughs> I think like those things like you have to stand a certain distance and there's like a um big E and then like read your lines and obviously like I think my better eye is my left eye and then like I read the E but then afterwards I'm like uh uh <laughs> so the second line says uh it went like that and the guy's like well did you forget your glasses or something I'm like yeah. He's like, okay, just come back and come back to like the GPS with your glasses and we can do this again. You know, like, um, you know, like getting your license and everything, your state ID, it's going to take a long time. So like, we can just reschedule you for like another day and just like quickly go through this process again. And then he's, he was about to like send us on a way, on a way because like he thought that I forgot my glasses or something, but obviously well, I you told him you forgot your glasses. Yeah, I did. And then like, I just straight up said like, "Hey man, like I just can't see it, man." <laughs> he's like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "Yeah, I just, you know, I'm legally blind." He's like, "Huh? Oh." And then like, it just like he it just clicked in his, in his head to the reason why that I had to revoke my driving license to get a state ID. And yeah, I I I feel like I've gone into like a lot of situations that were like that similar to that. That like in that moment specifically, I felt more embarrassed for my dad rather for mm-hmm. myself. You know, <laughs> my dad's like, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, mm-hmm. it was a funny moment to look back on, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, mm-hmm. and then, and then like you know, obviously I also like play a little bit of basketball here and there, and then the trash talking just gets funny when people <laughs> realize that I'm blind. Like, mm-hmm. Oh my god. Deaf perception, man, like stuff like that. It's, it's, it gets funny, but mm-hmm. yeah. So I guess for our listeners, there's a a lot of more stories to come uh, in terms of uh, interesting instances of being blind. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. So do you um, want to end it off on something or what? Do you have one more question? I don't. You don't. All right, I no. guess uh, it, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Really great to have you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. I'm so honored because you didn't invite Hannah. It's kind of rude, but. Okay, for listening, Hannah's my mentor. So I did invite her, but she hasn't responded yet. But yeah, I guess that's a uh, name drop for maybe a future episode. Who knows? But it was uh, really great to have you on. Um, maybe you can, uh, we can do another episode. Who knows? Yeah. All right. See you guys.